0: You may not work where you want to work, but our God is provider. Our God is Jehovah Jireh. He will never leave us nor forsake us, no matter how dark the world may get, no matter how bad you may feel, no matter how bad your feet may hurt, no matter how bad your joints may hurt, no matter how sad you may be with that husband, no matter how sad you may be with that. No matter how much your children run amok and drive you crazy, God is still good. God is still good. We have to get out the box. We keep putting him in a box. We keep putting him in a box. It's got to be this way. It's got to be that way. It's got to be this date. It's got to be that date. It's got to be this way. You don't know what he knows. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Stop putting him in a box. You may want him to come around the left side. He's coming around the back side you have in your mind the way it's supposed to happen. How you want it to happen. It's not anything you can think of. It's not going to happen that way because he does exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or ask because you are limited. You are limited. But our God is limitless. Thank you Jesus. Our God is limitless. There is no limit to what he will do. There's no limit you will trust and believe and what's so awesome about him is even when we don't believe even when we are in doubt and we don't believe he is still faithful he is still faithful and he still comes through for us he still provides even when we don't think he'll do it and we worry we beg we cry and we plead. easier if you just stay in faith. Just stay in faith because he's a great father. He's a good God. He's a good man. He's wise. He's awesome. He's powerful. Greater than your husband. Greater than your wife. Greater than your sister or your brother. Greater than your job and your education. Greater than your experience. Greater than your intellect. He bypasses that bypasses all of that. And so today, I'm going to talk to you about his restoration power and the restoration that took place in my life. Yeah, we'll talk about Joseph and we'll talk about what Joseph went through, how Joseph was challenged and how he even said, hey, God brought me here. We'll talk about him too. But I really want to share something very personal from my heart today. Because this week, I experienced something that is beyond my capacity to even believe. You have desires in your heart, and you're exercising your faith for it, but when time goes on, and time goes on, you think, has God heard me? Sure he has. Will he do it? Sure he will. Then you ask when. When will he do it? When will he do it? So stop asking when. Just know that he will. Know that he will. Know that he will. Know that he will. Because he's faithful. He is faithful. When man gives up on you and they say you're nothing, you won't be anything, you won't do anything, they don't believe in you, they don't support you because you've struggled. Maybe you struggled with drugs or alcohol or pornography or just being lazy, not just being diligent. You've struggled. You struggle in your mind. You struggle in your body. And people will give up on you. They don't see your heart. They don't see the plan and purpose on your life, and they don't believe. They just abandon. They jump ship. But God will never leave you. He will never leave you. You have dreams and aspirations in your heart to be this great entrepreneur and you can see it the vision is bigger than your pocketbook bigger than your bank account the vision is huge and it's so big on the inside of you you could just touch it and nobody can see it but you nobody can see it but you and God and sometimes it might just be you and God sometimes people feel like you have to prove things to them before they believe in you, before they'll support you. But our God is faithful. Our God is good. So today, we'll talk about restoration. I'm going to share some very personal things, some very transparent things. I think I'm getting more transparent as we go along because I just don't care. What God has done, he's done. The mistakes I've made, I've made. But I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I'm going to be. And I'm thankful for that. Thankful for that. So we're going to take a look at. Go ahead and take your seats. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to look at the definition of restoration, but let me pray first. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, and we just bless your name on today. We thank you, Father, for in you we move, we live, and we have our being. Whether it's raining, whether it's sunshine, Father, you're good to us. And so, Father, we give you the sacrifice of praise on today. We honor you, Father, with our with our giving. We honor you with our worship. We honor you with our praise. We honor you in our hearts. And we thank you, Father, for your presence to bring us into a place of peace and joy this morning. We thank you, Father God, for the word that will be spoken on today of restoration. And I pray, Lord God, that every heart at the sound of my voice is encouraged. For whatever may have been lost in their lives, Father, that they are encouraged, know that you're so faithful, and they be, will be restored. I thank you, Lord God, they will be encouraged to just keep on moving on doing the right thing is the right thing to do, and not allowing their faith to fail them Lord God, so Father, I love you and I thank you and I praise you for today. I thank you, Lord God for strengthening my body and strengthening my mind. I thank you, Lord God, for using me to be a blessing to your people on today and I pray Lord God that while my my husband is home that he is Receiving great energy and great strength, Father. I pray, Father, that you strengthen him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Strengthen him from the inside out, Father. His mind, his body, his emotions, Father, his spirit. I thank you, Father God, for all that you're doing for him, Lord God. All that you've done for him. And I just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before I begin to share, I just want to share first the definition of restoration. Restoration is the act or process of returning something to its original condition, condition by repairing it, cleaning it, etc. The act of bringing back something that existed before. The act of returning something that was stolen or taken. The act of returning something that was stolen or taken. Restoration. Restoration, a few synonyms are repairing, mending, fixing, reconditioning, refurbishment rehabilitation, rebuilding. I like that, rebuilding. So we've been in a rebuilding process for about 10 years, rebuilding, restoration. So this week, <clears throat> my husband's been talking over the last few months about us you know, building a home, and he shared the testimony of how we found this piece of property and all that occurred and all the, you know, just the, the quickness of how we had to put the deposit down and just being led by the Spirit. And it may seem as if when I call him that day, hey, I found a piece of property, I found our house, they can build it, we have to give them a deposit, we need it today. One might say, well, that could be the devil, because you have to move too fast. But no, I told my husband, it is fast, but we've already been praying. We've already been believing. So now it's up to us to recognize this is the opportunity. Opportunities come and they go, and although you may miss one, another may come, another may come, another may come, but then you delay the process. You delay what it is you were looking for because you didn't recognize it when it showed up. So that day, when I called the property owner and I inquired about any properties left, they said, we have, we have two left. One is a four bedroom, one is a five bedroom. I said, well, then you have one left because my family is too big. We had put on a sheet of paper everything we wanted to see in a house, five bedrooms, a basement, space for the children, space for us, everything we wanted to see, a newer home, not an older home. The main thing I wanted, though, is I wanted to live near the children's school. That was why we made that decision two years ago to move out to an apartment in the Kennesaw area, to be near their school. But I got to thinking prior to us making this call to this property, I wonder if Otha would be open to moving away from the school just a little bit to get what it is we really desire, Am I just being too hard pressed on? I have to stay in Kennesaw. Now, I love the area. The area is wonderful. It's great. It's beautiful. Love it. But this was something I couldn't pass up. It was everything I asked the Lord for. It was everything. Everything I asked the Lord for. So, when we began to move upon it and talk, we talked about it, prayed about it, and moved upon it, it's just been an amazing process. From now, from that start point to this point, this week. So this week we have officially moved in. The kids are running through the house. I haven't told anybody to be quiet. Run, kids, run. I mean, they are because run- in the apartment we are in the middle. They have people upstairs, people downstairs. You can't run, you can't jump, you can't dance. And Jeremiah is a dancing machine, so he can't. He can't dance. He can't do all the things that he loves to do because people are downstairs. You have to be considerate of the people downstairs. No jumping, no running. Be still, be quiet. They're kids. So they have been running from room to room, playing hide and seek, laughing, giggling. And Mariah's like, I can't hardly even believe it. It feels like we're staying in a vacation home. It feels like we're, at, we're visiting friends. It doesn't feel like our home. So you have this moment of despair. Ten years ago, I was five months pregnant with my fifth child. And we had to leave the home that we had in Michigan. What do I mean leave? Do we have to to just get out and just move away? No, the house is foreclosed upon. We had to get out or they were going to put us out. We had to leave. And in the process of, of us leaving, it's very painful because you're thinking, okay, through your mind, all the things that should have been done different could have been done different. Why did it have to come to this? What did we do wrong? Why did I say something? Did I need to pray more? Should I have called someone? Did I need to be in the word more? How did we miss it? Why did we miss it? Why are we going through this? Right, right, right. I'm 5 months pregnant and I have to pack up my house in 2 days. I didn't call anyone because I was too embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I was ashamed. And people always have questions. Well, what? Right. What happened? They, they're trying to help you, but they're still they're passing judgment while they're helping you. Right. Right. Well, I don't want your help. I will struggle along With my five-month belly and my four kids in the corner so they can stay out the way so I can get it done, I'll just deal with it. Was that my pride? Sure it was. I didn't want to have to deal with the questions. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it was my pride. So I didn't call for any help. So I'm packing and packing and packing. And my husband, of course, he's distraught, as any man would be. He sees his wife and his four children, and now we have to go. And all he ever wanted to do was provide for his family. Exercise his faith, be a man of God. But just because you think you exercise in faith doesn't mean you are. It doesn't mean you are. So when you're honest with yourself and you have to come to the realization, okay, I missed it somewhere. I messed up. And here it is. The crazy part is we had to leave, but yet I felt relieved on the other hand. Because the bills and the stress of what we had gotten into was a bit much for me. And I just felt relieved not to have to deal with it anymore. No more bill collectors. Nobody's calling. No, no more concern about is he going to get paid or not. Okay, we're just done with it, and we'll just have to just start over. So that was at that time, living with some friends of ours for five months. And the grace of God truly was upon us, truly, truly was with us. I went on to have the baby, and we found another place to live. Shortly thereafter, the Lord spoke to my husband, and he says to him for us to move to Atlanta. That was August 2006. Now, mind you, years previous, we were supposed to already be here. But that move was canceled by the ministry that we were uh, formerly associated with. Okay, so did God cancel that move or did the man cancel the move? Were we supposed to be here? Obviously, we were supposed to be here. But we're stuck We don't know what to do. We don't know who to talk to. We don't know where to go. We're just feeling kind of lost out there. And I know some of you have felt lost at times, having questions in your mind. What do I do? How do I do it? I need help. I'm in too much pride to ask anybody, but I need help. I'm too embarrassed. I'm too ashamed. And I'm just struggling. I'm frustrated. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I don't know what to do. So what he did was pray prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I think that man might have wore his kneecaps out. He just prayed, prayed, prayed and prayed. And the Lord gave him that word for us to move. But it required faith. We had a word. And where the will of God is known, you can exercise your faith. But when you're looking at your circumstances, like, well, I don't know how this is going to happen. A family of eight moving from one state to another, we have no resources. What are we supposed to do? But the Lord met us where we were. And they came over time, and we moved. So we fast forward now 10 years. The home, dream home, I would never have to move. And for some, it may not be a dream home, but for me, I would never have to, but I'm so grateful for that. And so in Psalm 126, verse one, it says a song of a a song of a sense. I need to read that part. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad Restore our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. And the Lord knows I've cried some tears. And some were tears of sadness. And some were tears of joy. But I have cried some tears. But the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. And through the last 10 years, last 10 years of rebuilding, rebuilding, me doing research, educating myself on what to do, how to do it, calling people, Google, 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 and then calling, figuring out what do I need to do for me and for Otha, how to position us to get back on our feet. Even moving here and opening an in-home daycare, that was not my idea. But I was crying out to the Lord, like, what do I do? How do I help my husband? How do I support my husband? My girlfriend said, hey. Hey. Why don't you open an in-home daycare? You're in a new subdivision. I'm sure you have lots of children there. Why don't you do that? I said, that's dumb. Why would I do that? I said, I have six kids. I don't want to open a daycare. I have six children. I'm already homeschooling. No, that's dumb. Okay. So I shut that down, right? Second round, my niece, auntie. Have you considered putting some flyers in all the mailboxes in your subdivision and have an in-home daycare? Because that way you can stay home with the children and and care for your kids and care for other ones. No, that's dumb. Why would I do that? But yet I'm praying. I'm asking God. God, I need to to be able to help my husband. God, I want to make money. We had the in-home business, but it wasn't making enough money to cover all of our expenses. It was great. it, It afforded us freedom, but it wasn't enough money. So I'm talking to my husband and asking him, well, what do you think about me going back to work? Well, in the previous years, he was absolutely against it. You are a stay-at-home mom. That's your role. My role is to work. You stay at home. You care for the children. Okay, boom. But this time, he was different. He said, go ahead. Get a job. I said, really? He said, yeah, go ahead. Get a job. Because I'm thinking I have marketable skills. I could be an admin assistant. I can make $12, $15 an hour. I can make good money. But it wasn't until he said, go ahead and get a job that I realized that's not really what I want. What I want is to help you and support you. I really don't want to leave my children. I love being home with the children. I love being here with them. So, Lord, send me something I can do at home. Third time. Third time. I'm outside in the cul-de-sac. We had a cul-de-sac and I had one neighbor, just the two of us. Had one neighbor. She was also from Detroit and she had four children. So we're out there playing. I'm out there just sitting on the ground in my driveway, and a school bus goes by. Shortly thereafter, a mom walks around the corner with her 18-month-old daughter. And she said, hi, my name is Crystal. I live around the corner in the subdivision. My son just rode by on the bus and saw you out here with the children. Do you have in-home daycare? No, how much do you charge for your in-home daycare? (laughs) And so I said to her, I said, well, I don't have in-home daycare. These are all my children. And a couple from my neighbor, said, I don't have an in-home daycare. She said, oh, man, you know, because I just, I just moved over here, and I'm looking for someone to care for my child. You know, so it would be in the area, someone that I could trust. And my son saw all the kids, and he just assumed that you had an in-home daycare. So I said, okay, God, okay. Provision was there for me. I had prayed for it, and it came. I rejected it twice. Now, I mean, I had a third time. That I could have rejected it again. And I would have just been on, kept praying, crying and crying out and being frustrated, but the Lord had answered me. But I didn't want to hear his answer. I didn't like his answer. But yet me opening me opening in home daycare allowed me to make eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month for our family while I'm at home homeschooling my children. I'm teaching the other children. I mean, we had a routine, we had it down. Did I enjoy it? No. I didn't enjoy it. It was an ends, it was a means to an end. I didn't enjoy the process, but I went through the process and through the process, I gained character and I developed. I mean, just it was just so much. So many lessons learned in that process. I did it for three years and I didn't complain like, Lord, I don't know when this is coming to an end. But I just thank you that I have it. I thank you for the moms. I thank you for the children who come. I thank you that I can just help out and continue to contribute to our household. And I can be here with my babies. Thank you, Lord. My husband was there changing peppers and feeding kids, too. So, I mean, it just worked out great. It worked out. We still maintained our in-home business, still had the daycare, and it was great until that season came to an end. And so your provision may not come in the way that you want it. It may not come to the job that you want. It may may not come to the person that you want, but you have to be open. If you reject it, the Lord will respect that. He's a gentleman, and he will not force you to take what he's sending you. Same way with a man or a woman. You're praying, you want to have somebody, someone comes along, the Lord makes a presentation, like, no, I don't want that one. Okay, all right. What about this? No, I don't want that one. And you have to be able to recognize if this person is the one. Because the person may not come with a six-figure income or come with this nice, flashy car or this great job and position, but he's a good man. He's got a good heart. He has great potential, and all he needs is a good woman to get behind him and support him and love him and make him feel like he's Superman, and he'll just he'll soar. Right. Mm-hmm. That woman that you think, okay, she's kind of plain Jane, really not my type. Well, she's nice, though. She's really sweet, mm-hmm. really kind, won't give me a hard time, really gentle man. She's, And that might be the one for you. Everything you need because of all your dreams and aspirations. But you're so busy, and the outside is important because you want to be attracted to the person. But sometimes we can we can major on the minor and minor on the major. The things that really, really count, things that really, really count, and so you end up missing out, missing opportunities, missing uh, blessings, missing opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. So the things that we miss. So for this week, it has been so much joy. And my husband says, are you excited? Are you excited about the new house? And I said, I am excited. I said, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm so beyond joy. I'm so beyond happiness right now. I said, this is more than just a house. Yes, it's a material. It's more than just a house. This is restoration. This is the answer to my prayers. It's a dream. This is a place for my children to run, jump, and play, and scream. Huge backyard. The front area is a playground. It's, it's, it's not even a, a cul-de-sac. It's a big island. I can look up the window. and They're playing across the street, and yet... I don't feel irritated, like it's just too much noise. A big area to play, a double oven, I can bake a cake and a pie. I can bake a turkey and dress. I mean, I can just, I can, I've always wanted that, always wanted that. Amen. And so for all the things Amen. the house came with, I mean, it came with the appliances, free, refrigerator and stove, washer and dryer, double oven, came with all the blinds. They put all the side in, no sprinklers though dog. No, no, no sprinklers. They put all the side in. I mean, I just... It's a big basement. The basement itself could be an apartment. I mean, it's just humongous. It's humongous. And so I want to thank all the people who helped us move this week. That was really great. So thank you. I was exhausted and I was tired, but I had some great, my husband had some great help and it was just wonderful. And I'm so extremely thankful. So if you've lost anything in your life over the course, over one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, there is nothing in your life that has been lost. Amen. Nothing in your life has been lost. They cannot be restored. Amen. Now, if you are married and, you, and now you're now divorced, well, the Lord can send you a new spouse. You may not get that spouse. You may not want that spouse, but he can send you another one. So there's nothing that you have lost. A car, yes. a house, yes. a job, yes. position. Yes. Maybe you made some foolish decisions in your, in your younger life. Some dumb things. We, When we were young, 20s and late 20s and, and early 30s, you don't, don't know a whole lot. You do some stupid things like, man, if I had known then what I know now, my life would be so different. But you can't cry over that. You have to just trust and believe that, God, I missed it. I missed it once. I missed it twice. I missed it three times. I missed it several times. But, Father, thank you because I know my time will come again. And that is where your faith and trust has to be. It will come again. Let's look over at uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. So there are things that you may have lost that could be your fault. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Due to lust, lack of information, pride, Mm -hmm. could be your fault. There's some things that happen that could be God's fault. He led you there. He he made you do it. He put the thoughts in your mind to lead you in a particular way so so he can grow you up, build your character. He may have done it. Thank you, Jared. Other times, it may have been the devil. But I think sometimes we just blame the devil for too much. We just give him too much credit. I mean, just, too, yes, he's in the business of stealing and killing and destroying. We know that that's what his job is, to kill, steal, and destroy. But I think sometimes we just give him too much. It's the devil. The devil made me do it. No, you did it. Right. Your lust did it. Right. Your lack of information did it. Your pride did it. You made these decisions. We should have never had that house in Michigan. We should have never had that house. That was our very first home. Mm -hmm. It was built from the ground up like this one here in Georgia, built from the ground. We should have never had that home. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we couldn't afford it. Young, excited. We've got these little kids. This is great. We did not count the cost. Mm -hmm. You better believe I did this time. Man, we're way under budget. This is great. We can do it. But you learn those hard lessons sometimes, and it's painful. Mm -hmm. And it hurts. But once you learn it, you learn and you won't go back in that. When that test comes back around again, you won't feel it this time. You will pass that test this time because now you've learned the lesson. So we look in Luke chapter four, verses one and two. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around or led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. Sometimes we do go through something and we just think, oh, this is the devil. Get off my back. You know, God, bring me out. No, you are going to stay in the fire for a minute so you can be strengthened because greater is coming. There are things that we have been through in the last 10 years that have helped me today in ministry. If nothing else, help me to have compassion because folk get into some stuff because they don't know. I have been through some stuff, so girl, I understand you. I know how it works. I understand. Yes, you made some mistakes, but guess what, honey? You can get back on track. It's okay you made a mistake. You didn't know any better. You didn't have anyone to teach you. Or you did, and you still made the decisions because you thought you could handle it. Okay, you got the house. Your husband lost his job. Who knew? God knew. We didn't know he was going to lose his job. We didn't know that he would lose his position. And so I became angry I'm pregnant with my at that time with my third child. And you fire my husband unjustly for something he didn't do. Right, right. I mean, no mercy, no grace, and I'm pregnant now. I have no health insurance. Right. So they did call back. We're gonna extend your wife's health insurance to the baby is born. Great, thanks. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And so as we have looked at, looked back, we said, okay, was that God or the devil? Did the Lord boot us out? Did the Lord do that so we could be taken out of that system and learn and grow on our own? If he hadn't been booted out, would we have just stayed? Would would he ever have stepped out and become a pastor? Would he ever ever have pursued God the way he did if he had stayed in the system? You wonder. You ask yourself these questions. Was he led into the wilderness by the Spirit? Mm -hmm. And did he come out in the power of the Spirit? Did he come out powerful? Did he come out with more clarity? Did he come out with more wisdom because of his tests and trials and temptations? Did he? We know Jesus did. Because when he was tested, he just kept going, kept praying, kept fasting. But yet yeah, he was hungry. And it said that he has been tempted with everything that we have. He is not a man that has not been tempted with everything that we've gone through. He knows how we feel, but yet he didn't sin. And so the devil left him for a more opportune time. So he does come back. But if you stay your ground and you stay in faith, he will leave you. But yeah, it was tough. It was tough. So I'm going to read to you. Before I read to I was going to read to you a part of my journal. Before I do that, we talked a little bit about pride. And I wanted to give you an example from my life of something that happened to me at 16. My mom had bought me this car. And it was an older vehicle. Great vehicle. She had paid it off. I mean, it was good car to get me around. She was a single mom, so she couldn't take time to run me around everywhere, so she bought me a car. I had a job at 16, right? And she said, okay, I'm going to show you how to check your oil. So she popped the hood. This is how you check your oil. Make sure you get your oil changed every 3,000 miles. It's an older car, so you have to check it more often. Check your oil. Take care of your car. Don't let your oil get low below a quarter tank because it could freeze. And so, When it's time, it gets cold. Just to give me all the instructions on how to care for this vehicle, Right? So we set out on a long journey to go visit my brother in prison in Michigan. And she says, Lorana, did you check your oil? Have you checked your oil lately? Oh, how dare you check up on me? Because I take care of my business. And so I get indignant. Well, yeah, mommy, of course I check my oil. Of course I got plenty of oil. Yeah, mommy. So I get an attitude, right? She's asking a question. But me, full of pride at 16 because I know everything. Yeah, mommy, I check my oil. Yeah, I got plenty of oil. We get out way out yonder and we hear this thunk, 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 thunk. thunk. My engine is knocking. We had to pull over on the side of the freeway out in no man's land. I had thrown a head in my engine, blown a head, thrown a head, whatever the terminology is. It was dead. So I had a friend of mine who came and picked us up and towed the vehicle. I was distraught. I was like, just listen to my mommy. You know, just, I was so upset. But that was a lesson learned for me. I never forgot that. Right. A lesson learned. Right, right. So they towed the vehicle, and they said the guy said, I can get you a used engine for $500. It was an old car, but I couldn't afford to buy a new car. He said, I can get you an engine for $500. So my mom says, okay, I'll fix it. I'll pay the $500 to get your car fixed, but you're going to pay me back. You're working. You're going to pay me back every dollar. Yes, mommy. Thank you, mommy. And she paid for it, and I paid that woman back. I mean, I don't know how many months it took me, but I paid that woman back every dollar. And you better believe I was checking my oil, keeping the car clean. I mean, I was doing it all to take care of what my mother had blessed me with. So that that was a hard lesson because my car was down, and I had to hitch a ride and catch a ride and catch the bus. I mean, it was a hard lesson to learn at that time. So, fast forward to my journal. So, in December of last year, I had uh, was just reflecting on my life, and I do that in December because it's you know we're coming to the new year. So, probably around my birthday, like this November sixteenth on, I'm reflecting about the previous year. I'm looking forward to the new year. I'm asking the Lord what adjustments can I make for the new year. What have I done wrong? What can I do different? And so I'm thinking about that year. And sometimes I go back previous years. Like, okay, well, show me previous years. Right. And so I'm journaling and I'm writing things down of what I can do. I'm looking up scriptures right. and where I can, you know, better myself as a woman. Right. So here's a portion of my journal. December 6, 2014. And I said 2002, 2011. So that was a span of nine years that I was looking at. It was an intense time of testing for us as individuals and as a family. In nine years, my husband lost his, his employment, his position, and his status. And I have dates after each one, like years after each one. We built and lost our first home. We moved five times, with babies. With babies, we moved five times, including to Austell. My marriage was severely challenged. How many of you know when you suffer financial hardships, ha- problems with your, with your health, I mean, if you don't keep the right perspective, if you don't keep yourself straight and keep yourself in the word, oh, you will tear up your marriage because you're blaming the other individual, even if it is his fault or her fault. That's not where you put your focus. Your faith is in God because everybody makes mistakes. So you don't put, you know, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. No, it's your fault because you weren't praying. It's your fault because you weren't in the word. It's your fault because you didn't encourage me. It's your fault because you didn't support me. It's your fault. So you're playing, playing this blame game. It's like, no, stop all of that. So the marriage was severely challenged. We gave birth to four children in the midst of all that. We established three businesses. We lost both of Otha's parents. Both of them passed away in that time frame in 2005 and 2010. We relocated to Georgia. So I grew up on the west side of Detroit. He grew up on the east side. We had never been anywhere. We had been to visit. But we had never lived anywhere else. He's never been to the military, nor had I. He hadn't gone away to college, nor had I. We've just been there. So we hadn't been anywhere. So you're talking about packing up all our babies, six babies. One of them is six months old. In our entire life, everything, all the parents are gone. All the grandparents are gone. They're all dead. They're all deceased. Just being out there and these six kids, you're about moving up your entire family. We're like, God, we're going on the fact that you gave us a word. We don't know what to do when you get there because you haven't given us any instructions. No specific. He just said, go to, move to Atlanta. And we obeyed. It took us a year, and I think four or five months, but we made it. He gave him the word in August 2006. We made it December 2007, at the t- right after Christmas. And I told my husband when we came here in August of 2007, I said we cannot be in Detroit on January 1st, 2007, 2008, 2008. We cannot be here. We will die here. We have to get out. We have to get out. And we just did everything we could. I mean. During the building of this house and, and the move process, I've been reflecting a lot on God's faithfulness. I've been reflecting a lot on the mistakes that were made and how God brought us through it and how God brought us out. I've been thinking about the sacrifices, the extreme sacrifices my husband has made. I mean, from down to shoes and clothes that the kids could eat or the, sh- the kids could have clothes. I mean, I've been thinking about all these things because I'm like, it's more than just a house, God. Just show it all to me, show it all. He said the house would be a house of love and hospitality. It's to be shared. Have people over to minister to them, cook for them, show the women how to cook, entertain them, love them, pray for them. This is not your house. So I'm like, Lord, thank you. Show me more. So I've been very, very reflective. So I'll pick up, relocated to Georgia. Once we got here, we lost our minivan. We only had the one vehicle. We get here a month later, the minivan gets repossessed. The man rings the bell. He's already had the thing hooked up, took the baby's car seats out. I'm looking out the window. I'm like, what in the world? So I didn't say a word. Both came back in, closed the door, and we went probably in the garage or somewhere to talk so the children wouldn't hear us. I'm like, what's going on? He said, I don't know how they found us. Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't change the address. Um. He said what they did. He said, and the car is gone. And so what did I do? I cried. And I was like, God, we came to Georgia like you told us to. We obeyed you. Why did this happen? Why did, you knew we were going to pay the note. Why did it happen? And so a month later, my sister comes to me and she says, you know, my Holy Spirit keeps telling me. It's so fun. My Holy Spirit keeps telling me that I'm supposed to get you guys a vehicle. And I said, no, I don't think we can do that. No, we can, my pride again. My thinking that what if I don't want to mess my sister up? I don't, maybe she's not hearing from the Holy Spirit. Maybe she just, you know, sees her sister and the kids in need. You know, forget the husband, but she's her sister and kids and she wants to help out. So I was like, no, no, I don't want you to. I don't want you to. He says, no. My Holy Spirit is telling me to do this. So I'm going to do it. And you just pay me each month. So we did. And we paid it off early. And I was so thankful once again because she helped us and the Lord helped us. And that was the beginning of us really starting to get back on our feet. And then shortly thereafter, I started the in home daycare. So it's been a process. And I just don't want you all to get discouraged in the process. Don't get discouraged in the wilderness. Don't get discouraged in the fire because you will come through it. You will come out. You will come out. You will come out. Thank you, Lord. If you don't give up. And you have to tell yourself that giving up is not an option. That's it. That's it. It's like what we do with a weight loss plan. You know, we'll start working out, working out. I want to get, you know, lose five pounds, lose 10 pounds, lose 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then you say it's not working mm-hmm. and you quit. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, no, it is working, but it's only going to work if you continue. Yeah. If you continue in the word, if you continue in the ways that God wants you to go, if you continue in prayer, if you continue in faith, Giving up is not an option. You are a child of the most high God. Giving up shouldn't even be a part of your thought process, a part of your vocabulary. It shouldn't even exist in your atmosphere, in your stratosphere. It shouldn't even be anywhere near you. But the devil will try to bring it, so you have to shoot that thing down. No, I'm not a quitter. I don't give up. I may have fallen ten times, but I'm getting back up again. I may have fallen 20 times. I may have failed 25 times. I may have failed 50 times, but I'm getting back up. Giving up is not an option. It's not an option. My brother battled drug addiction for years, Mm. for years and years, and it wasn't even his fault. I found out who turned him onto drugs, and I was so angry. I was like, if this person wasn't in his life, he probably wouldn't have even taken this path. And I was so angry. But during the time that he was struggling, I didn't understand what was going on. Didn't understand addiction. Didn't know what it was all about. Didn't, you know, just me and my high and mighty self just had all my judgment and all my criticism and all my condemnation. That's what I had. It wasn't until later that I understood what it was all about. And I encouraged him and I loved him. And today, my brother is clean. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Only God. My brother has been clean for several years. I mean, clean and sober. And I'm so thankful Amen. for that because every family is not all clean and perfect. Amen. Everybody got some skeletons somewhere. Yes, right. Like yes. Otha, he talks about how great his upbringing was. And praise God, it was. But his family had a lot of pride. Amen. So is their pride any less than my brother's drug addiction? Amen. Is their pride any less than my family's violence? Right. Right. Everybody has something they have to work through and work on. That's right. And so, we should never get high and mighty in where we are and look down on another individual because they've struggled with something. Our job, we are called to pray and encourage and to love and support because that person is valuable to God. Valuable to God. And had my brother had a different set of circumstances when he was growing up, who knows what that boy would have become? Who knows? Who knows? Now, my brother's in his late 50s and he is on Facebook preaching the gospel. That's his little platform, his Facebook. Initially, I used to get kind of irritated. And I was like, why are you irritated? Why? Why are you bothered by that? So I started liking all his stuff, all his posts, because every day he's singing God's praises. I'm like, this is what you prayed for, fool? You wanted your brother to love God. You wanted him to pray in the spirit. You wanted him to be in the world. You wanted him to go to church. So what is your problem? You don't like his methodology? So what? He's doing it. He's living for God. He's, in, he's going to church. He's ministering to people, all the people back in the hood, because that's where he still is, living in my mom's house. She wanted that house sold and the money divided between all the kids, and we decided, no, he gets the house. He's the oldest, and he's been through a lot with my mom because she had him when she was really young. We said, no, he gets the house. And so he is in that house, living in that house, thinking mom still lives there, and, and just ministering to people, whoever listened listen to him. So God has, rest- has restored him clean. I can't even tell you how many years he's been clean, but I'm so proud of him because he's had to battle through so much. And he wasn't given a whole lot, wasn't really given that great opportunity to have a great education and have great parents and status. And he he wasn't given that. I mean, my mother was really young when she had me. He just wasn't given any of that. So he just took a different path. But I thank God that he brought him all the way back around. And so if there are those in your life who you've been disappointed in. Or who you have written off, mm-hmm. I tell you to pick that back up again and start praying for them. Amen. Pray for them and love them and support them, even yes. if you don't call. Do it in prayer. Amen. I've been praying, like pray, praying like crazy for my family. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Lord, I don't know when it's going to happen. May it happen five years, ten years. I don't know, okay. but I'm going to keep praying because right. it's going to happen. Right. Yes. It's right. going to happen, Jesus. Thank That's you. Right. Right. So during Oh, ten thousand ten, oh, ten thousand ten. So, so all those things happened, 2002, 2011, but here's the tail end of 2010. Oh, my health was challenged. After the minivan, my health was challenged. They thought I might have breast cancer or cervical cancer, so I had those two different incidents at different times. Talk about surgery and all sorts of treatment plans, all sorts of things, so I was, my health was challenged. 2010, we were really beginning, really beginning to experience some turnaround in our lives. Then my, father, my father-in-law passes away. Then in that same time, we allow someone to move in with us. My husband and his super-duper huge heart. My husband's super big heart. The young lady from Michigan, she wanted to move to Georgia, get a fresh start. Okay, we'll help you move on down and help you get on your feet. Well, she stayed with his sister for about a month because his sister was single. She lived in a big house, stayed with her. Then she called and said, this girl got to go. This girl got to go. And there was a whole bunch behind that. But I just told my husband, I said, well, we're the ones who brought her down here. Now, I didn't bring her down here. He brought her down here. But I said, we're the ones who brought her down here. So she's got to live with us. It's not right for us to help her come down. She's staying with your sister and it's not working out. Then we should be obligated. We're obligating ourselves now to help her because we, we should have started this process in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that was a... Uh, an interesting experience. And so I said, never again. So my husband came to me again, hey, so don't need a place to live. and da-da-da-da. No. No, it's nothing to think about. I don't have to think about this. No. Because all that happened before should have happened. Now, she never tried to come up to my husband. She would have been dead. So she never tried to do that. That never happened. She never wore anything inappropriate in front of him because I, I warned her, don't play me. Don't try me. Don't play me. These are the rules of the house. Cover yourself from neck to ankles. Cover yourself, right? Everything. I almost made it wear a veil. Just leave your eyes out. Just cover everything. <laughs> Wearing no tights up around my house and your boobs hanging out and butt hang- No, none of that, right? So she did all of that, but she just messed up everything else. Drove me nuts, right? So I should have put that girl out a long time ago, but my heart wouldn't let me do it. My heart wouldn't let me do it. I told her, you, you have six months, don't pay any rent. Every dime you make, save, save, save. Don't pay us anything. Save every dollar so that you can get on your feet, give a deposit, pay your first month's rent, blah blah blah. So that didn't work out. At the same time, my body was under attack again with my hormones and my thyroid out of whack. I was under so much stress. My marriage was under attack. I was in school, and Otha was working nights as a security guard. So he's gone all night long. I'm up praying for him because I'm nervous. I get a call one night because he dropped his cell phone somewhere. This is when he was working at Kroger on the night shift. Okay. And I hear the man say, yes, yeah, somebody has dropped their cell phone. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Because okay. I had this thing in the back of my mind that my husband would die early and leave me a widow with six children. Okay. And I realized that had become a stronghold in my mind. Okay. But I didn't, I didn't know that until I got the phone call. So that was Krug when he's working there. They got the cell phone. Everything was fine. I said, okay, I got to work on this because if I keep fearing this is going to happen to him, I will make this come to pass because right. I'm afraid. Right. Right. So then he has another job because it was making more, the security job position at night. So I'm in school, so was, and we still have the daycare. It was just a lot of craziness going on. But there is a little ray of sunshine, a little piece of hope that we saw during that time. And that time of sifting and testing and trying what I felt was coming to an end, and that promotion was coming. So Wendy Alec in her book, Visions from Heaven, she talks about the different things you go through, and she talks about Job and even her own self and her life and Mm -hmm. all the challenges that she had with her health. Mm -hmm. I mean, here she is getting ready to produce this great movie, and all hell breaks loose in her life. I mean, her body's challenging. it's not as if she's recovering, and she's just, like, trying to figure out, what do I do? I mean, year after year, crying out to God, while you have people saying, "Well, just exercise your faith." You know, are you in faith? You must not be in faith. And going through all those challenges, you know, so that time for us, you know, we know people looked and said, "Well, they must not be in faith." Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think they do? Just keep having more and more children. Don't they know how children come? They should just stop having kids. Mm -hmm. Don't they know children's expensive? Yes, we knew all of those things. We knew how children got here. We knew how they were made. But we also talked about after six months of marriage, we were not going to use birth control. Because my husband said, I don't have peace about you using the birth control pill. Mm -hmm. He said, it tricks your body, and it does weird things. I don't want it to mess your body up later on. I said, well, I don't want to get pregnant right now. He said, well, I don't want you on the pill. So I had a decision to make. Either I submit to that, or I say, bump that. This is my body. I'm taking this pill. (laughs) So I submitted to it. I didn't take the pill. I didn't get pregnant either. I didn't get pregnant. Until it was time for me to be pregnant. And when it was time for me to stop bearing children, I stopped. So I had six in a short amount of time and I didn't get it. I would have never done it that way. I would have I been told the Lord when I got pregnant with Jeremiah. I said, Father, if it is your desire for us to have more children, I submit my will to Yours." And I will have more children. I said, but please, dear God, give me a break. Because every time I was nine, I mean, I was nine months. The child was nine months and I would get pregnant. This child was nine months. I would get pregnant. This child, I was like, wait, hold the phone here. I can't do this. But the Lord knows what you're able to bear. He won't allow you to go through anything that you can't handle because he equips you. It's up to you to tap into the strength that he's given you. Now, sometimes we'll lay back and be like, oh, I can't. no. You have to tap into what the Lord has already provided for you. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. So that means you have all wisdom, all resources, all knowledge on the inside. Your mind is clueless. So how do you get it from your heart and your spirit to your mind? you got to pray in the spirit. You have to be in the word. So your mind can be illuminated with the word of God. With wisdom and what to do with the knowledge you may have acquired from Google or your girlfriend or wherever you got it from. What do I do now with the, with the knowledge? You need wisdom. This is my situation. What do I do? I could do this route. I can go this route. I can go this route. I can go this. I have so many routes. Right, right. Which one is the right one? Right. And you might have to step out. Is this the right one? Nope. And you may have to step out. Is this the right one? Nope. That's not it. So sometimes you have to just step out. You may not have a clear path of what we're supposed to do. And once you step out, you know, OK, I have complete peace. I can move forward or like, no, nah, I feel right. I don't know what it is. I don't know why this is, but I just can't do it. I told my husband this morning because he mentioned it on the prayer call about not going to the men's race.
1: Right.
0: And I told him and I wouldn't tell him any time this week. But I told him this morning, I knew you weren't supposed to go. And I prayed for you every single day that you would hear clearly from God. I said, initially, I could not discern whether it's me, because I want you to move my whole house and set my house up, or whether you really weren't supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking, hey, we got to move this week, and you're trying to go to the race. and you know, we gotta mo- I couldn't discern initially. Is it me, or is this God? So I said, okay, if we were moving two weeks ago or two weeks in the future, would I still have this feeling about him not going? I've never had a problem with him going. Why do I have a problem right now? Why am I not at rest? Why am I not at peace? I said, but I will not say a word to my husband. He hears from God. He's a man of God. He hears from God. And although this is something that he really, really wanted to do, I had to then pray that he wouldn't allow that to override what he thought the Lord was telling him. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for him. Because I, as I prayed, I didn't sense any danger or anything like that. No danger, no loss of life, no injuries, nothing like that. But I sensed frustration that he would get out there and be frustrated and not have a good time and not really get the respite that he really truly needed. Just the mental and physical, he wouldn't get it. So he ended up not going in. So it's so, so important to be led by the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of you having to cancel something that you really, really want to do, that you really want to do. So here's another part of my journal. August 2011, the ministry was established, but I in no way was ready. It came anyway because of Otha and the purpose of God on his life. I was not deserving or worthy. I still struggled with things, my mind had to be renewed, my flesh had to be restrained, I needed to grow up. That was the, I needed to grow up, bottom line. I had become so carnal and hard hearted that I really couldn't see my way out of my despair. Now that's deep. I knew the call of God on my life was ministry. I for sure knew that he was called to be a pastor. As the Lord told me in 1994 when I prayed for him, I've called him to be a pastor. I knew this. But yet we were attached to a ministry that rejected him. So did God call him or did the, or did the pastor call him? But at that time, I could not see that it was not the pastor who called him. It was God who called him. So whether the pastor heard from God or not, whether God allowed it to happen or not, it was not the pastor who called him. But in my immaturity, I could not see that your trust has to be in God and the timing and how everything is going to work out. Not in that pastor. I would have dream after dream, just like Joseph. Joseph had a dream about his family bowing down. He went and blabbed his mouth and told them, I had a dream. But I would have dream after dream, and I would just see my hair long. And the way it is now, it's like it's down my back now. But that's what I would see. At the time, my hair wasn't that long because I had cut it, you know, a few times, and it was shorter. But I would have dream after dream of this long hair down my back. And I'm just preaching up a storm and casting the devil out of people. And it wasn't like it was a desire of my heart. That's what my dream would be. Okay. And I would just wake up, and I was like, wow, what was that? You know? And I would have dream after dream like that. The Lord showing me in the pulpit, me preaching and preaching. I mean, he even showed me one time me and my children in the pulpit, and it was Mother's Day. He gave me a, I mean, an open vision about the kids being up on the pulpit. And so he would give me those dreams and visions, and I kept rejecting them. It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. You see what's going on. It's not going to happen. So I became hard-hearted. So when the Lord says, now it's time. Oh, man, I was just so not ready. I felt so unworthy. I'm like, God, why? I mean, I had the nerve to have a speaking engagement for that previous Mother's Day in May. Open the church in August, had a nerve to have Mother's Day, Mother's Day speaking engagement. I'm like, Lord, why? Why did you do that? You know I am not ready. You know I'm still tripping. You know i still got my issues. Why did you do that? And it was a powerful meeting because it, had not, it was not about me. It was about him and his purpose in my life. And to show me, like, look. This is coming whether you want it to or not. So get yourself ready. Just like when you became a mother, you were clueless. So what did you do? You got in the word. You got in the word. You got in the word and you asked the Lord to teach you how to be a mother. This is no different. You seek me for the wisdom. You follow my direction and you obey my commands. That's what you do. Nobody is born a first lady. Nobody is born a co-pastor. Nobody is born a supportive wife. You have to learn these things. Submit your will to my word. Do what I told you to do. Get your attitude together. Get your funky attitude together. Get your mouth right. But it's a process. So I felt so unworthy. And I was like, oh, Jesus. It's upon us. All that I knew would happen in 1994. And here it is. I said, well, that's okay. That's okay. Because you're going to help me. You're going to help me help him. You're going to help me love him. You're going to help me encourage him. You're going to help me be the wife and the mother that I'm supposed to be. You're going to help me with the ministry. Things that I know, I have no mentor. I know nothing about this. My mother is gone. My mother-in-law is gone. You told me I would get another mother. Another mother would come for me for ministry, but I have not seen her. Or because of my pride, did I miss her? Did she come? Was she already a part of my life and I missed her? there was a woman who I loved very much and I thought she may have been it, my other mother for ministry but because of my fear and my insecurity I wouldn't let her get close to me I wouldn't let myself trust her for reasons I don't need to go into but I really, I'm like I ask the Lord, is she, is she the one? is she, is she her? Mm-hmm. and so I even asked myself now, well you gave me that word back in 2005, where is she? it's been 10 years yeah. where is she Jesus? And so, either I've missed her, she hasn't come yet, or maybe she's still in my midst and I don't recognize her. I don't know. But either way, the Lord help me. And I continue to write in my journal. My life is being restored. My heart is being restored. My mind is a continuing renewal process. Everything is coming full circle and actually repeating itself. I am retaking these tests again, and I will not fail. I will not fail. December 2014, as I reflected on my life, and all the things that we had gone through, all the things that we were currently experiencing, the joy that we were currently experiencing I mean, in our marriage, with the children, with the ministry, I mean, just really being fulfilled, just being here and serving you all and loving you all and, and just really knowing this is where we're supposed to be. If it never grew past where it is now, we would be perfectly happy, but we know that God has more, but perfectly happy in doing what we're doing, perfectly fulfilled. So I'll go ahead and talk about Joseph a little bit. there's some lessons in his life that we can draw from. Let's turn to Genesis 37, 3, 3 11 mm, I have a lot of scriptures. I'm not going to go through all these scriptures. It's raining. I know you all want to get home and get in your bed and watch a movie and <laughs> pull the covers up and have some hot chocolate and have some s- snacks. I know I do. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to get in bed. <laughs> It says, now Israel, who is Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made a very, a colored coat, a coat of many colors. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Joseph has a dream. and He told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Now, at this time, Joseph is 17. He's 17 years old. and He has his dream about them bowing down to him. Then he has a second dream about the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down. And so they, they all get upset, like, you mean me and your mother and all your siblings going to bow down to you? Now, he said that, and he was upset. That's the father. He's like, wait, that might actually happen. I mean, he pondered it. Like, okay, that's the second dream that he's had about somebody bowing down. So maybe this thing is really established to the Lord because it's the second dream that he's had, and it's the same kind of dream. What ended up happening, I won't read all this, what ended up happening to Joseph in 18, verses 18 through 28 is that his brothers ended up selling him into slavery. Mm-hmm. They wanted to kill me; they decided not to kill him. And so you see here where the plan of God for this man is in action. Mm-hmm. And you would think, oh, my God, this was the devil. Oh, my God, it was my mistake because I told my dream. Mm-hmm. Whether it was your big mouth that got you in trouble, mm-hmm. whether it was the devil that used it, or whether it was God that took advantage of it, God still got the glory, Because it says in 36, the Midianites sold him into Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer and the captain of the bodyguard. He ended up in Potiphar's house. That's where he ended up. He's 17 when this happens. At the age of 30 is now when this famine, the years of plenty. Then seven years later, when the famine started, he's in position. Mm -hmm. So things happened to him. And during that time, he was in Potiphar's house. He was doing a great job, was the second in command. So he was being trained for greater it could be looked upon as, oh, man, you got messed up. You sold your way from your family. But he was being trained for the future. Okay. Training had to come. You don't come out the womb or grow up knowing what to do. Right. You will be put in. you can't pray for patience. You can't pray for growth. You will be put in situations that will cause that thing to grow. Right. If you allow it to grow. Right. I'm praying, oh, God, oh, God, Jesus, thank you. I'm praying for patience. Nope, you're going to be in trap for about an hour. Yeah. No, you'll get hung up at the grocery store for about two hours. I was on the phone with Comcast. I'm like, oh, Lord, you know this is not my strong point, but thank you, Jesus. I'm growing. (laughs) I'm growing, Jesus. And I I told my husband, hey, you call Apple. You call AT&T. You do this. And it wasn't this time. It was at different times because I don't have patience. Right? I don't want to be on the phone waiting for customer service. And, okay, ma'am, hold on. Okay, I'm back. Okay, hold on. Okay, I'm back. I can't stand it, right? (laughs) I said, okay, be a big girl. Call Comcast. Comcast. Okay, we're going to transfer you. Okay, we're going to transfer you. Okay, we're going to put you on hold. And I said, Lord, I'm just calm. I'm cool. I'm cool. I can do this. I'm patient. I'm not getting anxious. I'm not all hyped And on 10, I'm relaxed. Yeah. So you will be put in situations where these things must grow and develop in you. And so likewise, Joseph was in Potiphar's house. The woman comes on to him. I'm sure if it's Potiphar's wife, she's probably fine. Probably irresistible. And she's like, hey, come sleep with me. He's like, no, thank you. I will not sin against my God. The Bible says that he was, the Lord was with this man. He was with him. And where somebody else may have cast that man to the side and said, you're nothing. You're sold into slavery. No, the Lord was with that man. Mm -hmm. And so you must recognize, okay, my husband may be down right now, but the Lord is with that man. My wife may be down right now, but the Lord is with that woman. She may not know what to do right now, but I'm praying for her and God is with her. He may have made mistakes that cost us to lose everything, but I know that God is with him. God will bring us out. I know my child is wayward. I know my child is going his own path. But God is with that baby. He will protect him and keep him safe until he comes back into his right mind. And comes back to the word and comes back home to live the life that God has called him to Amen. live. Amen. So Joseph was in Potiphar's house. The woman accuses him because she won't he won't give in. He refuses to sin against God. He maintained his integrity in spite of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she lied and told her husband, so he gets thrown in jail. So you think, well, man, I was thrown in a little hole in the ground. Okay, so then I got sold to slavery, and now I got exalted. Now I am got kicked down again. So you may have some ups and some downs, Mm -hmm. some ups and some downs. Well, if God is really with me, why do I have these downs? Because you need it for growth. Does he put sickness on you? No. Does it come sometimes? Unfortunately, yes. Will he bring you out? Yes. Does it feel like it's been forever and you ask God why? Yes. Is it tough to hold on? Yes. When you're moving from house to house, apartment to apartment, is it tough? Yeah. And I used to say when we left Detroit, we didn't have anything. That's not true. We had commitment. We had each other. We had our children. We had God. We did have something. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any material wealth and blessings at the time. But we had each other and we had the Lord. We had a word from the Lord. So you have to look at your situation and say, hey, there is something I have right now. And I will hold on to that. A word from God, an encouragement of God, the love of God. I will hold on to that until my breakthrough comes. Because it is coming. I'm frustrated and I'm crying right now. My breakthrough is is coming. It is coming. It is coming. So Joseph is in jail. And... The two people, the baker and the other person, whoever the other person was, who was he? The cupbearer, they have these dreams. So the Lord, again, is with Joseph. And he interprets the dream. Oh, he said, okay, when you get out of here, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. Let the Pharaoh know. And what did he do? This brother got free. I'm out. I'm out. I've been restored. Now, he got restored. He forgot all about Joseph. Mm -hmm. He forgot. I was like, oh, man, I'm still stuck here. And so the Lord may send someone with your deliverance, send someone with your provision, and they don't obey God. They don't do what they're supposed to do so that you can then have your breakthrough. But the Lord is not limited to their disobedience. He will come a different way. He will use a different method. So Joseph does get out. He does get out because Pharaoh now has a dream and he needs somebody to interpret his dreams. And he's telling Pharaoh, this is what needs to happen. This is what's coming. You got a famine. You got prosperity. You got a famine. This is what needs to happen. And he said, oh, well, we need someone who's wise, who can undertake it. Wait, you can do it. The Lord spoke to you. The Lord is with you. You can do it. And Joseph was exalted above everybody. Not just Potiphar's house and all Potiphar's house. No, this is entire Egypt. Yes, But Joseph had been trained. He could handle it. So his tests and his trials and his development and his character, he was being trained for something greater. Let's look at, uh, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Genesis 41, 46 says, Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. He's 30 now. 13 years of training. Who are you to say how long that training process should last? Because you don't know you're in. The Father knows you're in from your beginning. So when you have those years of plowing, 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 plowing, you're being trained for something greater. Some training may only last for a year, some two years, some five years, some ten years. The Lord gave me the word in 1994. I have called him to be a pastor. He actually stepped into the full-time position on August 13th, 2011. Through all of our ups and our downs, our moves, my health challenges, our financial ruin, the Lord still had called that man. But we still could have missed it. We could have just said, forget it. It's too tough. You go your way. I'll go mine. I'll take the kids. You can stop by and see him every now and then. You go ahead and go that way and do your thing. This is, this is too hard. I can't do it. I could have said, oh, well, I must have missed it back then. I didn't really hear from God. You ain't called to do nothing. You ain't called to be nothing. Or I could have did what I did, which was stay. Angry at times, bad attitude at times. I didn't always do it right. Didn't always have the right attitude. Didn't always say the right words to support him and build him up. I just didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. I I, I couldn't because I was struggling myself. But once I got myself together, like, yeah, baby, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And even now, we end on a Saturday afternoon and he gets in the car. You all see him bold and powerful. And he gets in the car. He's like, man, do you think that was good? That was powerful. That was a masterpiece. And I don't say it by faith. I really do believe that. I mean, I really do feel that in my heart for him. I think he's dynamic. So I tell him every single time, babe, that was great. Yeah, you did a great job to help build him up to keep him going forward because the enemy is going to tell him enough negativity. He's going to hammer him, hammer him, hammer him, hammer him. So how much, how valuable is it for the woman by your side to build you up and and just say, hey, I believe in you. I didn't back then. So I said, I will not fail this test a second time. It's coming back around and things in your life will come back around. You're like, wait, I've seen this before. Uh I've done this before. Uh Wait, hold on. Wait for it. Yep. Back in 19 2000. Yep. It's going to come back. It's going to come back because there's some place the Lord is trying to get you something. He's trying to get to you, through you. He's trying to help you accomplish something. And if you don't pass this test, you can't go on to the, don't pass this way. You can't go on to the because you'll get there and you will hurt somebody. You will hurt yourself because you have not learned the lesson. You, and sometimes opportunities and promotion comes even if you're not ready. But you have to make a decision in your own heart, I better get, get it quick. Yes. I don't want to wreck anybody's life. Give them wrong advice. Give them the wrong information. Give them my opinion instead of the word. I don't want to do that. So I better, I better get it right. I better be in this word from sun to sun down. It's every opportunity I get. Okay, kids, watch a movie. Okay, kids, do a puzzle. Okay, read a book and get in this word and pray as much as I can. Get up before they get up. Stay up after they go to bed. I better get in this word. There's no room for excuses because anybody can be anything you want to be. Anybody can accomplish anything you want to accomplish. There are no excuses because God is your father. And the word says that you can do all things through Christ which gives you strength. Yes. Those are not just words on paper. That is the truth if you believe it. If you believe that you can do all things, then you can do all things. There is nothing that you cannot accomplish. It may take some time in that rebuilding process because it's a process. There are lessons being learned. So when you do come back into your stuff, you don't tear it up again. Like when you were 20 and when you were 30 and when you were 40, you don't tear up your stuff. So I won't tear up my stuff. I'm going to keep my house together and have my people over and blessings and do dinner and all those kinds of things. <laughs> thirteen years of training. Thirteen years. And he was 39 years old when he was re- reunited with his family. The Bible says in Proverbs thirteen twelve, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. You can have a desire in your heart since your childhood. Your teenage years, your early 20s, your early 30s, late 20s, late 30s. I mean, you can have a desire in your heart and you think never, I will never be able to produce this play. I'll never be able to write this book. I'll never be able to be in full-time ministry. I'll never get married. I'll never have a baby. I'll never have children. I mean, you just tell yourself these things because it's the amount of time it has taken. Right. But then when it shows up, you remember the process was painful. You remember it hurt, but the sting is gone. You don't feel the pain anymore. You remember it happened. It was ugly. I had to leave, pack my boxes, Get my kids. We were out. Buy house. Crazy part is I vacuumed the floor, left the blinds in. Te- I didn't tear the house up? I did not. I didn't tear the house up. I said it's going to be nice. My vacuum, clean. I got the blinds. I mean, I was cleaning the house as if somebody was moving in because I sold the house. But I said, no. God will honor me. I'm not taking the blinds down. I'm not tearing. I'm not putting no holes in the wall. People do crazy stuff. You know, tear the pipe. Tear the pipes out. Crazy, crazy stuff. I said, nope, I won't do it. I will not do it. The Lord will take care of us. And now I'm living in a dream far beyond what I could have asked for. I mean, I had some things on my list. And so everything on my list was met. And so much more. I'm like, oh, my God, we have this. Oh, my God. this! Oh, my God. So it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. And I look back at that man from renting this house to renting this house to renting this house to rent this apartment. I mean, the last two years, y'all, you talking about eight people in a three-bedroom apartment. That's a nice house apartment. Been great for a family of four or just a couple or a couple with a baby and a dog. you talking about eight people. Four girls in one master bedroom. Two boys have their room. You know, they have our room. About eight people in an apartment. And... In the beginning, it was great. Okay, cool. I don't, have a, I don't have to go down the stairs. I don't have to do a lot of cleaning. It's, it's cool. We got our little space. But we knew the time was coming. We were all agitated. It's time to get out. It's time to go. We just begin to sense the grace is lifting. It's time to roll out of here. Even the kids are complaining. We all got to leave. He like said, we complain about the neighbors downstairs, the dog over here. I mean... Everything was agitating. Like, oh, my God, can we put this little bitty room? Can we get- I don't have any place to go. I can't go nowhere and pray. I need to go in the laundry room. I got to go in the closet. I got to go up under the kitchen sink. I got to find a place where I can be alone just for a moment to think. Right. So now my husband comes in the door, and I said, I didn't know you were here. He said, yeah. He said, now. He said, I- before I came in, everybody knew. He said, now. Nobody knows. I need to just call you. I'm like, hey, I'm home. I mean, because it's just, hey, I'm home. I mean, whatever method you use, I didn't hear you come in. Because I'm way over here, and you come in the door, the kid's like, Daddy's here. Really? I didn't, how long has he been here? I didn't know he was here. That's not good, because what if somebody trying to come in? No, nobody's coming in this house. Nobody's coming in. <laughs> so when your, desire, when your desire comes, it's a tree of life. I mean, it just brings life and so much peace to you. Getting the car, I mean, getting, getting the new truck, I mean, it's just been amazing. They ordered the one vehicle that we would need. We, house. We only need one. That's the one. It has two bench seats and a view. That's our car. The house. This is the only one. We have the money. The earnest money. That's our house. And we had to move quickly, or it would have passed by. The Lord would have brought another one, but we would have missed that. When we would have missed the timing of God. And so, if you have missed the timing of God, fear not, fret not. It's okay. It will come again. But you can't get impatient. And get antsy and anxious in the process because it will come again. But lose, lose your mind in the process, you will delay it. Children of Israel had an 11-day journey. Took them 40 years. They did come into the promise. They got it. But what was supposed to be 11 days, little shy of two weeks, took 40 years. I don't have 40 years, people. I want to enjoy it while I still got some energy. You know what I mean? I don't want to be old and decrepit and, and just just can't, I just, I just, I just, and all I can do is just sit here. I mean, no, I want to run through the house like the kids and <laughs> I want to run through the house like the kids <laughs> and like Linnea. <laughs> Let's see how fast I can run from this end of the house to the other end of the house. That's what little sisters do. Silly stuff. So, so Joseph was in position to be a blessing to his family, to save his family. And let me find the scripture here because I wanted to share with you what he said to them, his family. Here it is. Let's see here. Genesis 45, 1 through 13. It says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by, and he cried, have everyone go out for me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. He said it twice. Just in case you forgot, yeah, you sold me. Twice. I'm say it twice. Because you, so he said, don't be dismayed. And I lost my place being silly. Let's see here. What verse, y'all? Help me out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, me is struggling. Somebody help me out. Okay. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. This is what Joseph said. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here. This is what Joseph is saying. So when you get through these things, you can look back and say, okay, this is not the devil. It was not the pastor. It was God who orchestrated all these events in our lives to get us to this place right now. God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant in the earth and keep you alive by great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his household and ruler over the land of Egypt. God did this. And Joseph said, don't get it twisted. You think you sold me. Well, you did sell me. You did. But it wasn't you. It was God who influenced you to do it. I'm supposed to be here because he saw the end from the beginning, all the tests and the trials, me being locked up in prison, me being in Potiphar's house, even going through what I'm going through right now. It was God who did it so that I would be greatly exalted. He would be with me and I could preserve your life and our generation and God's people. Hurry up and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made the Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not, do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come and you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. Behold, your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen. And you must hurry and bring my father down here. God greatly exalted this man. And he told them, don't be angry. Don't be upset because of what you've done. Because it was God who orchestrated all the events of my life so that I could be exalted to this point and save your life. Talk about Humility. Somebody that's like, shh, it's your fault that I ended up here. I endured so much. I was in prison. I was in slavery. Because of your jealousy, because of your insecurities, this is where I ended up. Bump that, starve. Craziness. But this man is a man of humility, a man of God. And he says, no, don't be angry with yourself. People will do you wrong. They will not believe in you. They will not support you. And you can't blame them because they have lack of understanding, lack of wisdom. They don't get it. But you will be somebody great. You are somebody great. And you will do great things. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you are somebody great. You are doing great things because you are pouring into the next generation. You are praying over your family. If you're a career woman, you're out there you are doing something great. If you're serving in ministry or in education or the the, minister, the, uh, the um, military, in law, no matter what field you're in, you are doing something great because you're making an impact somewhere with someone. We can't reach everybody. When I think of the people that Kimberly has ministered to, I can't reach everybody. And I'm so grateful that she's ministered to these women and kept up with them and just prayed with them and encouraged them. Francia, Calling them, checking up on them, praying with them. Donna, calling, checking, being there, encouraging, praying. Your life makes a difference. No matter how little you may see yourself and how invaluable you think you are, you are so precious in the sight of God. You and all your gifts, all your talents, all your experiences, they're all valuable in the sight of God. So restoration is coming. Restoration is coming. Restoration is coming. Restoration is coming. Jeremiah 30, chapter, uh, chapter 30, verse 17 says, says, I will restore you to health, and I will heal you of your wounds, your emotional wounds, your physical wounds, your mental wounds, whatever those things are, I will restore you. You must hang on to that word. He's not a man that he can lie and you may not see the restoration in full effect, but believe me. Believe him. Believe his word. It is coming. Yes. It's coming. When so your body hurts. I mean, I was in pain this week. I mean, I was not in discomfort. I was not just sore. I was in pain. My joints hurt. My body hurt. My feet hurt. I'm like, why are my feet hurting? Yes, I was up on my feet and probably didn't have the right shoes. I don't know. I had gym shoes on, but my feet hurt so bad. My knees, my joints, my back, I just was in so much pain. I was like, Lord, thank you. This too shall pass. I'm going to keep it moving. This morning, Father, it is not me, but you who do the work. I will get up there with all my fire and as much energy as I can muster up, Lord, and give my best sermon if I was ministering 5,000 people. And I'm thinking, it's raining. Might be about 10 people. <laughs> but I was determined to push through. You're not going to always feel great. Amen. Emotionally, you may have some bad days. Amen. That heavy stress that come on you and that depression, Amen. push that thing back. Amen. Give your father the sacrifice of praise. Open up your mouth and say, Father, I thank you. It doesn't matter how I feel right now, Father, I thank you. I woke up this morning. I think you I have breath in my body. My heart might be broken right now. My heart may be bleeding right now. But, Father, you are faithful. Yeah and I thank you my heart won't always hurt my heart won't always hurt my joints won't always hurt my feet won't always hurt but I thank you Father because you're so good he said in Joel chapter 2 no Isaiah 61 verse 7 instead of your shame you will have a double portion and instead of humiliation they will shout for joy. Shout for joy. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. If you saw my house back then and you see the house right now, the Lord has given me a double portion. Glory to God. And remember, it's not about a house. A house is a material thing. It's not about brick and mortar. That's not what it's about. That house for me represents faithfulness. The Lord's faithfulness restoration of my heart being restored, something that I lost. And it wasn't the house. Because I told my husband, babe, it's okay. It's just a house. We'll get another one. It's just a house. But what it took for me is a backyard for the kids to play in, Mm -hmm. a front porch for me to sit on, different things I desired to do. I mean, I hardly had anybody come to the apartment, not because it wasn't nice. It was a great apartment. But it's so tight up in here. I can't hardly breathe. So we didn't have any visitors, so it's restored so much, and it means so much, just so much more than just brick and mortar. My girlfriend is on a plane and will be here tonight. Amen. She visited me back in 2000, my best girlfriend in the whole wide world. I'm so happy. Amen. This home will be a place of love, Amen. a place of restoration, a place of ministry. I can't wait for her to get here. She'll be here tonight, all the way through Friday. I mean, all the way through Friday. And I, the Lord began showing me things that will happen while she's here. I'm like, Lord, thank you for using me yeah. to minister to her and love her and help her in areas that only you know that she needs help. Right. She and I don't talk about this stuff when we talk sometimes, but we're so busy, we both keep it moving. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Hey, we, everybody's yeah. good. Okay, good. Pray your well. Pray your well. Okay, cool. Have a great day. Love you. Bye. Yeah. That surface kind of stuff, yeah. because you're always on the move. You're always working. Always busy. Joel chapter 2, verse 25 to 26. Joel chapter 2. He says, Then I will make up to you for the years the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you then my people will never be put to shame. My people will never be put to shame. Hallelujah. Your health may derailed you for five years. He said, I will restore. Mm-hmm. Your mind may have been challenged, and it may have derailed you. Mm-hmm. He said, I will restore. Amen. The way we're children the spouse, the sisters, your mother, your father, things may have happened and it derailed you. Your own lack of wisdom, your own food, your own pride, your own lust may have derailed you and caused you to make some foolish, foolish decisions. He said, I will restore. Now, of course, all of these things are contingent upon faith and you believe in. Because if you think it'll never happen, then it won't happen. But he said, I will Restore. Lastly Psalm chapter 50, I mean Psalm 51 verses 10 through 12. And David says, "Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, O oh, Jesus. Don't cast me away from your presence, and do not take your holy spirit from me." Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Yes, we love God. Yes, he's Alpha and Omega. Yes, he's the bomb dot com. But sometimes we don't feel full of joy. Sometimes this Christian walk can be difficult. I'm tired. Ty- I know it's a battle. I know it's a war and a race at the same time. I know that. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting. Why does everything have to be a fight? You are in a war. And you must accept this is a battle for your soul, for your destiny. Stop whining and complaining. It is a war. People who've been in the military, they understand this is a war and this is how war works. The enemy doesn't sleep. So I have to be on my game. Do you get tired trying to be on your game? Yes. But that is the life you live as a Christian. You are in the army of the Lord. It is a race. A race to what? To your destiny. For you to fulfill the reason why you were here. Amen. It doesn't matter how you were conceived. I remember telling my dad, no, I remember having the thought that I was a mistake. Mm-hmm. My parents had gotten a divorce before I was born. Mm-hmm. They had a hookup after her after her birthday party. Bam, I was conceived. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, man, I must have been a mistake then. Mm-hmm. Because they weren't, they weren't married anymore. They weren't together. And because of this hookup, now I'm here. So one day I was talking to my dad, and because of his amazing prophetic gift, we're just having a conversation. He said, You were not a mistake. I said, What? He said, You weren't a mistake. God had a purpose, has a purpose and a plan for your life. You were not a mistake. And I said, Why did you say that? He says, I know you've been struggling with it. I said, Well, how do you know that? The Lord told me. And at that time, I didn't understand the Lord sharing things and sharing my business and everything and, you know, giving my father insight. what. I mean, I didn't understand the prophetic. I didn't understand the gifting. I didn't understand any of that back then. I had the word. I was in the word. I was on a fast track. Did not understand spiritual gifts. So I told the father, the Lord, please don't share my business with him. Don't be sharing my business. Let me work this stuff. Don't share my business. That was funny because he told him anyway. Only things that were going to help me. I mean, he revealed things to my father that was going to help me. And likewise with you all, the Lord reveals a lot to my husband and me about you all. When I hug people, when I talk to them, when I hold their hands, he, re- he shows me things. He reveals things. But it's not up to me to always say anything. I said, what do you want me to do with the information? I want you to pray for them. I want you to give my word. I want you to love on them. I want you to encourage them. I mean, he'll tell me what to do. But that's because we're your pastors, we're your shepherds. We're called to be here to care for your soul. Likewise, my dad. So he said, you were not a mistake. And I'm like, yeah, I got a a purpose. I got a plan. I was supposed to be here. Even though I was conceived in sin, I'm supposed to be here. Like David, conceived in sin. But he was supposed to be here. And look at all that happened as a result of his presence. Well, don't look at the bad parts. Just look at the good parts. The Lord will restore. He says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Your tests and trials will come. Your heart will get broken. You will be disappointed. Embrace that, own that. It's not a negative confession, it's going to happen. That's the life that we live. But the blessings are so much greater. The joy is so much greater. If I didn't have a dime, I still living in an apartment, just knowing that God is my father, and if I die tonight, I'm going to heaven, that's pretty awesome to me. My book is written, my my name, my name is written in the book. So I can rejoice with that. When we lost that house, I told the Lord. I said, yes, I'm sad and I'm disappointed. But if I never get another house, if I never get in this earth, if I never get another one, I've got a mansion in heaven, Amen. and I'll see you in heaven. Amen. Amen. And that was a hard place to come to because you're trying to struggle with all oh, that's going on. Mm-hmm. But I had to resolve that in my heart so that would not be a bone of contention between my husband and me. Right, right. That we wouldn't, I wouldn't keep bringing, well, you lost the house. You lost the house. You lost. No, we're going to squash this. It's lost. It's gone. Boom. We're together. We're going to make it happen. We're going to support each other and then move on. So I told him, if I don't get another one, I'm looking forward to my mansion in heaven. But because of his awesome faithfulness, his amazing love for me, and just the little desires that I have, that he would give me so, something just so beyond what I could ask for. To see the joy with my children. A place for my husband. He comes home just to relax and get some quiet. Put his feet up. And he don't have toys and books and homeschool stuff. And I mean, my dining room at the apartment was. Thank you. My dining room at the apartment was the area where we ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was my office. It was our homeschool classroom. It was whatever I needed it to be. I mean, I've done fright. I mean, just so much. It just it just it just goes it's just to infinity. It's just so much. Even after that first year, I didn't feel led to do anything after the first year. I was like, they like, stay here another year. It was great, we're close to the school, it's perfect. I was like, no, we're not supposed to be here forever. It's <laughs> time to start looking. And so whatever you have in your heart. The Lord may have given you dreams like He did me years ago. He may have given you a dream like He did Joseph, it's showing you your future. You may have to say, hey, one day I would love to do XYZ. One day I want to do XYZ. I want to be in a position to do XYZ. I mean, so it's just, we can go so many different directions with desires. Even when it comes to a strong marriage. Man, I just really wish I had a. I really wish my wife was more supportive. That she was more kind. That she was gentle and loving. I wish my husband was more bold and not afraid to step out. You can stop wishing. Pray for your spouse. Stop by the wishing. No, stop. But just pray. And disappointments can kind of derail you where you don't want to trust anymore. You're afraid to trust because it hurts. And like, well, what if I trust and I'm let down? What if I trust? I don't want to be vulnerable. I, just, I hate being vulnerable. You got to start somewhere. And if you don't trust, if you, if you refuse to be vulnerable, then you'll never experience it on the other side. You just won't. You just won't. If you've seen yourself just running through the field of great lilies and your hair is in the wind and you've been so just free and your dress is flowing through the wind and you're so happy, you can have that. You can have your tree, your lilies and your grass and your hair flowing and running through the wind and your dress flowing and you're just so free and happy. You can be that right now. By faith, you can take it right now. Thank you, God, for my restoration. Thank you for my forward movement. Thank you for my advancement. Thank you. I look not what I, I don't look at what I see. I don't look at what I see. I don't pay attention to my surroundings, my circumstances because they are subject to change. What I don't see is more real than what I do see. And just as you frame the world with your words, I speak into my atmosphere right now in the name of Jesus. I speak restoration in my body. I will not speak that I hurt. I speak healing to these feet. I speak healing to my joints. I will not say what is. Because right now I'm in pain. I won't say what is. I'll say what your word says. And you said you have healed me, you have restored me. Jesus died, so I will be well. I will be healed. I will be whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I will not be broken. I will not accept a broken heart. I will not accept a broken mind. The Bible says that you have given me a sound mind. Soundness of mind in the name of Jesus. Soundness. No, I'm not going crazy. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to check myself anywhere. I speak soundness to my mind. I speak peace to my mind to my body, in Jesus' name. Yeah, right now might be tough, but you have done this, 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 this in my past. And because you're so faithful, I know you will do it again. I need not know how you're going to do it, that's your job. I don't know how. I don't see a way, I don't have to see a way. Father, I see you. My eyes are on you. I don't know how I'll get a car, you know I need one. I don't know how I'll find a place to live, but you know I need one. I don't know where the job is coming, how I'll get the job, where I'll work, but you know I need one. I need groceries, Daddy. I'm down to my last. I need Pampers for my baby. I need this deal to go through and I don't know how. But you need not know how. That's not your job. That is not your job. You are not in control. You are not in charge. You don't have to know how. But you have to know who. And you have to trust that he will. Your marriage could have been broken for 25 years. Man, they never said a good thing to you. Never treated you right. But it's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. You could have been born with ailments. Born with ailments. And you've been struggling. Like, will I ever be free? Yes, you will. Because your father desires for you to be free. But do you believe? Do you believe your father will do it for you? We know God is able. We know God is able. God is able. Yeah, we know he's able. God has all power. He has all ability. We know God is able, but will he do it for you? Yes, he will do it for you. And you 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 he will do it for you. He will do it for you.
1: And you don't. He'll
0: do it for you. No respect on persons. None. You need not envy or be jealous of any person, of any woman, of any man. Because of their looks, their status, their material blessings. You need not be jealous or envy or covetous covetous. You do away with that. That's childish stuff. That's childish. Because your father loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. What's a car? He shed Jesus' blood for you. So that you wouldn't have eternal damnation. What's some bills? What's a job? What is your peace of mind? He will do it for you. But you have to believe that. You have to believe it. Stop looking at the past mistakes and those who disappointed you or disappointments you may have suffered. I know what it feels like. I've been disappointed. People have let me down. They've talked about me and hurt me, misunderstood me. I get it. But I didn't stay there. I didn't like it. And I have challenges now, sometimes of being misunderstood. My own sister calls my niece, so she can interpret what I'm saying. It's crazy, isn't it? But my niece and I are very, very close, and my sister doesn't get me at all. She doesn't get me. We're twelve. It's a twelve-year age difference, and she'll get mad and takes them a certain way. She'll call my niece. What, is she, what do you think she meant by that? So, Mommy, that's not what she meant at all. So when I asked her the other day, you know, you're coming to town for the baby shower. You're going to stop by the house? I was like, better yet, I'm giving you an invitation. You're going to stop by the house? She's like, no, I'll be hungry. I'm tired. Now, she didn't say this to me. I'm reading the text. So you got to be careful because you can take it not how the person meant it, but how you are. Based on your fears, your insecurities, and your challenges, you'll take it how you are. So I was like, oh, man. See, that's why I shouldn't have I said, no, 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 no. I'm not going there. I'm believing for our relationship to be strong. I'm not giving into this. So I just I just texted her back and said, oh, okay. Then she texted back and said, I'm sorry. I thought it was next week. I misunderstood. Yes, I'll be in town. Of course. How about I stop by for lunch? Well, I couldn't respond right away because now I'm driving. Driving to the kids' school. I don't text and drive. I don't do that. I love my mom I'm staying right here so it's time to go. I'm not, I don't text in So I didn't respond. Then I get to the kids' school. She calls me because now I didn't respond to her text message. Now she's feeling insecure. I didn't respond to her text message. She calls. Well, I can't talk on the cell phone through the car line. Don't hit no kids. So you got to pay attention, right? So she says, hey, I texted you, and you didn't respond right back. So is everything okay? Blah, blah. So now she's feeling some kind of way. So she calls my niece. She said, Mommy, stop tripping. She said, it's about that time to get the kids from school. Maybe she's driving, maybe she's getting them from school. That's exactly what I was doing. So then when I was done getting the children, I text back and say, okay, cool. I'm sorry for the delay. I was getting the children from school. I don't text and drive. I don't talk on the cell phone through the car line. And everything was okay. So you really got to be careful when dealing with people because they have their own things they're going through. Cut people some slack. Give them some grace. Well, maybe that's not how she normally... Responds, you know, maybe she's having a bad day, maybe she's going through something in her life right now, maybe he's going through something right now. Just i just pray for him because I, I don't know what that is. I don't know me, she normally doesn't do that. So, guys, in the restoration business, be it your relationship with your siblings, your spouse, co workers, people at church, people in your past, restoration, restoration, restoration. Thank you, Jesus. Please bow your heads father in the name of jesus we thank you so much lord god for your loving kindness and your tender mercies that are new every morning we thank you lord god for your grace that you extend to us continually and we thank you lord god for being a man of your word a man who will not lie you cannot lie thank you for being so faithful so very faithful Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every person who has heard this message. Thank you, Lord, that faith has grown big in their hearts today. This word was sown into good ground. And I thank you, Lord, for all the fruit that will come as a result of this word being sown in good soil. So, Father, I thank you for whatever may have been lost in anyone's life, in everyone's life. No matter how small or how big, I thank you, Lord, for restoration. I thank you, Lord God, for redeeming the time, for restoring what the worm may have eaten, be it lost through their own mistakes, be it lost because of the devil, or because you brought them into something to teach them some things. Lord God, I pray they learn the lesson so they won't keep going around this mountain three and four and five times, failing this test three and four and five times. I thank you, Lord God. Thank you for passing the test. Thank you, Lord God, for being encouraged in your love, knowing how wonderful and faithful you are, knowing that you love them, that you will do it for them. You will do it for them. You are no respecter of persons. You don't love one child over the other. We can do that. We can play favorites. But Father, we thank you. You don't play favorites. You love all of your children. And we thank you, Lord God. We bless your name. So I thank you, Father, as every person goes back home today. They will go home encouraged and built up, Father, and have forward movement in their lives. And we just love you and thank you so, so very much. So very much. If there's anyone in here who has not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior,